And hello, welcome Naomi Christopher. Naomi Thank is you. Naomi's from Implemented Portfolios, and uh, her and I have known each other for some time, um, mostly through our community in within finance. But Naomi's got a different role within finance, um, quite a different take on things, because she's um, more of a marketing, communications, PR kind of guru. So I want to just uh, ask you first, Naomi, just to share with me a bit about your career and what you do and uh, what got you into finance. Absolutely. Um, I started in um, financial services about 11 years ago um, and I wasn't, um, I wasn't working in this industry at all at that time, but I was finishing off my degree in creative writing and um, social and cultural analysis and media and communications and all that stuff. And I got asked um, to join a funds research rating house as their communications manager. Um, and in the beginning, I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm not equipped to do this. And why would why would you want me? I, I don't know anything about financial services. Um, however, the, the owner of that business, the founder of that business was like, that's exactly why we want you. We want someone that can sit on the outside and show us how to communicate complex concepts um, to everyday people. Uh, and it, that's when my career started. I, I, you know, I started a couple of days a week and then the next thing you knew, I was um, full-time there and um, moved from there five years later to a financial services software company, which I was at for five years, which is a lot of the people within our industry probably know me in that role there, um, and continued to kind of do the same thing. Now I'm working in um, for a boutique investment managing manager services company, um, and really enjoying, re, um, really enjoying showing everyday people how. Oh, actually, I've got to re. I don't know. I'm just trying to think about. It. That's okay. <laughs> we can cut this out. Yes, it's all good. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm really enjoying now working at an investment um, management services company, and we're just trying to show ways, um, simpler ways of of um, breaking down the whole investment management thing. So um, a lot of the time, I think people steer away from um, investment management because they feel like they don't understand enough about it. Um, so my job is not only um, to be the marketing manager and communications manager for this company, but also to help uh, decipher some of the complex terms we use in the investment services space uh, and make them a bit more easy and approachable to understand understand for the everyday consumer. It's actually why I got you on this show is because um, it's so important that we communicate um, clearly and effectively to everybody, not just those who know the finance speak and you have a way of communicating and uh you know so that everyone can understand it's exactly why they employed you in the first role because you didn't actually come from that finance world that has you know it speaks in our you know we speak in acronyms half the time it's our own language um and it does intimidate it it does scare people off so it's really important that we are aware of how we communicate and I thought you'd be the person best person to have this conversation with around investing and just breaking down in, in simple terms of what ETFs are and what an IMA are, what's the SMA, what are, what are these acronyms about? Because, you know, the whole point of what I'm doing with sensibility is in encouraging people giving to take control of their finances and, um, you know, really fall in love with their money management, so to speak, you know, in, improve the relationship with their money. And by doing that, they've got to boost their confidence. By boosting confidence is giving them the, the tools, the know-how, and that often just comes down to simplifying things with language. So with that said, can we just go down to just sort of with implemented portfolios? Um, when you go on their website, you know, they, they talk about ETFs and IMAs and, um, you know, if I talk to clients, I use an SMA. So would you have to explain some of these terms to us, for us, please? Absolutely. Um, so ETF stands for Exchange Traded Funds. Um, and at their simplest, ETFs are a collection of securities designed to track the performance of a specific index. Um, however, I think a great way to explain um, ETFs is to talk about the benefits of ETFs rather than the ETF itself. Um, so the thing is, if you were 
Um, the population of ETFs are growing rapidly because investors can recognise they've got access to certain advantages, um, such as liquidity being bought and sold on the ASX like shares. Um, they're low cost, so it's more of a cost-efficient way of investing than managed funds. Um, there's tax effectiveness, you know, enabling the management of the investor's individual tax positions, and then, you know, diversification as well. So providing diversified access to the stock market without the need for selecting individual stocks. So when you think about the benefits of something rather than what the actual acronym stands for, you get to um, gain a better understanding of why. And I think that's the most important part about um, explaining these things to everyday consumers is not just what they are, but why we use them. Um, and then that way the person can have uh, emotional connection as to what's going on in their portfolio. The same thing with IMAs. So IMA stands for Individually Managed Accounts, uh, similarly to SMAs, which is a separately managed account. Um, IMAs differ slightly more, uh, differ slightly from um, SMAs because uh, they are managed individually based on someone's individual preferences, values, goals, financial goals. So, for example, um, what we're seeing a lot in the market at the moment is um, investors having ESG preferences, so ethical investing. Um, so they'll have preferences for specific, they might not want to um, invest in in certain stocks that support, say, um, firearms or others might not want to invest in um, funds that aren't great for the climate. But everyone's ethics are different. So instead of rolling everyone into one ethical fund, um, people can pick, choose their own ethical preferences and get their portfolios tailored to their own values. Um, so that's an example of, um, of how you could individually manage an account. Um, mm -hmm. And Investors, financial advisors um, have kind of been doing this already, except it's a painstaking um, process yes. with pen and paper or Excel if you're yeah. doing it one by one for every single client. Uh, so and then there's the rebalancing. That's it, exactly. Um, which, and adjustments. <laughs> adjustments. Um, and every single time you make an adjustment, um, the paperwork that goes along with it. Uh, so that's that's where Implemented Portfolio steps in, which is where I am now. Um, and we partner with advice firms uh, to deliver that service to clients by um, using technology to mass customise each of the portfolios at scale on behalf of the advisors, but at their direction and their client's direction. Mm. And you also have um, the option for the individual to come in and look at their own investment options, but you introduce them with advisors as well? Absolutely. So we encourage um, our, our service is primarily to partner with advisors to deliver this service. We encourage investors to speak with their financial advisor and we don't make the same recommendations that financial advisors would make, of course. Um, our job is to work in a three-way partnership with an advisor and investor. Mm, yeah. And I was just wanting to go back. You made a really important point about the why. So it's not really what it is, but why you use, like we go back and talking about the ETFs, why we would use an ETF. Um, I personally, uh, for my own personal portfolio, invest in ETFs. So mm -hmm. I like that because it's just like a cluster of um, investments that um, it, it is cost effective. And it, because there's, this, you know, you've, you're exposed to, more than just one equity tie, you've got a few there, you're, you're diversified and, you know, you don't, it doesn't take much to start building that portfolio, which is... Exactly. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity um, for people that may not be familiar with the world of investments as well, investing um, to dip their toes in the water and get a little bit of exposure uh, and also increase their level of literacy in, in these areas as well. So, I mean, ETFs just turned 18 or... Maybe that was a few months ago. So they're nearly 20 years old <laughs> um, and their population has like just continued to soar. So, um, so you know, investors are increasingly finding the value of, um, of exposing themselves to the market through ETFs. Yeah. Um, now, moving, I'm just going to, I'm sort of switching all over the place, but we were talking about uh, your career um, and being and, and how we've met with through the AFA and whatnot, being a woman in this industry. Um, 
One thing we talk about language, one thing I pick up is that men and women both have their way of communicating um, and that in itself has challenges and I think that's also why there is, um, you know, there's so, such a push for female um, financial literacy and I personally feel that in itself is giving the wrong message because it's not like we don't know. It's I think we need to use a different language. I mean, mm. we've, got to, we've got to just be mindful that women don't talk in acronyms the way men do, for example. Um, and with your role here implemented and your previous roles, have you been challenged with that kind of um, differences, those differences when it comes to the way you're writing, your audience that you're targeting, um, and and or even the challenges of being female in finance because we I think we're only we're a minority where we've just reached about twenty percent um, in that ratio of males female to male um, so there's quite a few things there that you know change is slow and progress is slow but I think you know by having someone like yourself who's actually now in the communications space um, and sh- helping people understand what you know, what the uh, investments are doing and whatnot. Have you, um, what, explain some of the challenges that you're facing with what you're doing in, in Implemented or in the past with some of your previous roles? Oh, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, being a, a female in financial services, yeah, you're right, like we are the, the minority. So there's one in five of us. Um, in terms of how I use that to approach my role, I often see that as a positive thing because I feel like I can provide a point of view that isn't often thought about or considered, um, especially when it comes to communicating value or communicating um, how something works or why it works. Uh, You know, we can, there's two ways of communicating something. One is just to say the black and white. Um, but as human beings, we aren't black and white. Um, we're a million different colours. And um, being able to um, describe things as to why they would mean something to someone or describe things based on the value that they bring uh, makes my role really exciting. So when it comes to financial advice, I often am speaking with advisors who describe their services. Um, but they don't describe the benefits of their services properly. So they say, why isn't my marketing strategy working? And I said, well, you're, you're just describing the service, but you're not saying what the benefit or the output is. And um, different, it's not just men and women, but different people are, are coming to approach a financial advisor for different reasons and they're most often emotional. It's not because they feel they need to sort out their retirement. Um, it's because they've got hopes and dreams and goals and and we we often miss that language. So being able to bring perhaps that empathetic side of language into financial services, I consider to be um, quite a blessing. Um, in terms of challenges, yeah, I think the hardest thing for, for females in financial um, advice and in financial services in general is just not having as many mentors that are other women, are, you know, that look like us, that that represent us, um, which it is starting to grow. And, you know, when we see um, females above us in power or um, in leadership positions that we aspire to, uh, it's exciting. Um, But it is challenging to aim as high when we just don't have enough representation at that level. Uh, And that's something I would really love to change. Um, So, you know, I think it doesn't matter what division in financial services you are, um, there's just fewer women at the top. And, Mm. yeah, I'd really like to see a change there. I think if we saw ourselves represented there more, uh, women aspiring um, in their careers will aim higher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, coming back to the topic of women, I think uh, I want to see more women investing. I want to see more women taking control of their finances. When I say uh, female financial literacy, I, um, that that term for me can be a bit condescending mm. um, because it's not like we're we're not illiterate. It's that the language hasn't been presented that is um, becoming to us, if that makes sense. So um, it, it's not it. We're, you can't get confidence when you don't actually understand. Or can relate to something. So that's why I wanted to have this conversation about what ETFs are in a really simple way because 
um, you know, you, I Google and go, well, what is it? What is that telling me? I'll go and Google and go ETS and it says exchange rate traded new funds. And I go, what does that mean? You know, whereas you've just made it really simple and gone, it's a really easy way to invest. You're not exposing yourself to just one stock. You're in a few different stocks and um, it's a really cost-effective way. And so you're diversified, diversified meaning that you're limiting some risk there, you know. So there's still going to be risks when we invest, but I think there's more of a risk if we don't invest. Absolutely. And I think often women are shut out of that conversation, um, not because, not explicitly, um, but just like you said, um, because and e- even sometimes it can be women that shut themselves out thinking um, this is not something I can learn to understand. Um, but the more you dig um, and if you ever are looking, my advice to um, to anyone listening would be if you're ever struggling to understand something, search for the why and that will help you understand it better. Um, searching for what these <laughs> different acronyms stand for. I mean, I could work in this industry for another 10 years and still not know what half of these things stand for. But if I get a better understanding of why we have them, then that I think gives us, it's one less obstacle in understanding. And I think um, you don't fear things you don't under, you, you don't fear things that you do understand. So um, ETFs is one, IMAs is another. You know, if you think of individually managed account as an account, your portfolio managed based on your own individual needs because yeah. what you want individually matters. Um, Absolutely. In a way to think about it then. <laughs> portfolio this, la, la, la. It's actually really true. When it, for some reason it just had, had me thinking with acronyms. Um, if you are a parent of teenagers, male or female, um, and you go into their Instagram chat, um, I had to Google to understand what I was reading. So <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah. And it doesn't take long <laughs> to feel out of the loop because new language is coming in all the time. Oh, absolutely. I remember my kids saying salty and I'm like, what? <laughs> Fine, that's actually because he's grumpy. But you know, um I think if we if we've got that attitude to take on, if we can work out what our kids are saying in acronym speak in their, you know, their own um dialogue in Instagram, then if we're really wanting to know what uh, investments are, what, what's, what this all means, um, besides, of course, I would recommend people go and see an advisor, and I want to talk to you about that in a moment as well, it's really important to just start digging and Googling and just trying to find that information. And if you've got, you know, people out there like yourself that are communicating what things are, it's great to get an idea. Um, but I, the biggest thing for me, obviously, is say get Get in, get some advice or talk to an advisor because if you really know what the, the part of the why is, what's motivating you, you know, that's so when it comes to the IMA, it's like, well, you've got goals and this, you know, this account that is being built for you that's around your values and around the target that you're aiming for is that vehicle that's going to get you there. Um, so speaking of advisors, uh, have, have you, you've, seen an advisor, had that experience of um, getting financial advice. Could you mind sharing that experience with us? Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, being in my role, I'm probably more exposed to financial advisors um, than than the average Joe, um, which you think would make it easy, but in some ways you find it hard um, because I'm also, uh, you know, working in the back end of it um, rather than the front end. Um, but when I did choose an advisor and started to work with them, um, the reason I chose them was because I chose someone who I could feel completely honest with. Um, I think a lot of people avoid getting financial advice because they have um, a feeling that um, it's only for the wealthy or I, that they can't reveal their bad money habits or they can't talk about uh, emotional things that lie under the current um, surface of, of their financial of their financials, which, let's face it, everyone has that. Um, money is emotional. Uh, you know, uh, what you why you do what you do is emotional. Uh, we're all driven by different things, and it's not just ones and zeros. So, mm-hmm. I think you know, um, choosing somebody that you have an affinity with and someone that you can be completely honest with is really important. 
uh, which is what I did when I chose an advisor. Um, and I was really happy I, I did because it was at a time when um, I was going to um, buy my first property. And before then, I'd kind of just avoided the whole situation. Um, and then when I was like, oh, goodness, I'm actually going to have an out. Um, but I was 31, <laughs> mind you. Um, <laughs> it might be time for me to go seek a financial advisor and make sure I'm doing all the right things. And even though I was going to him about purchasing a property, uh, I, he actually just took a whole look at my entire situation and has helped me across the board with so many things. Um, and the reason he's been able to do that is because I've been able to have a real honest dialogue with him. So I would say that's the most, that's the best advice I can give about my experience that worked for me. Um, and don't be scared um, to go seek an advisor if you think uh, you're not in the um, demographic that seeks financial advice. Financial advice should and is for everyone. Um, Absolutely. Finding the right person for you. In my experience, not just with clients of my own, but um, those I've got friends and family that don't come to see me and that's because it is quite exposing and it's like, you know, one of my best friends, her husband was like, oh, no, we can't we can't take that to Amy. What are they, what, what would she think of us, you know, like this sphere? Because it is quite exposing. Our, our, our money is a reflection of how we're coping and managing in certain parts of our lives as well. It is very emotionally driven because we're earning it, you know, we're, it, it's part of our sense of worth. And if we're not, if we haven't got much to show for it, well, does that mean that I'm, I don't, I am not, I'm not as much as I should be? You know, those kind of things do come up. But one of the things that I hear mostly for those who have sought advice is I, sh I wish I'd done it sooner. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've just read Kate McCann's book and it sort of takes you through the journey of financial planning. Um, and, yeah, there's quotes throughout the book and, and that's also the common theme is if I'd only done this sooner. So, yes, a lot of people have this concept, concept that it's an expensive process um, but it's I look at it as an absolute investment um, and it shouldn't be treated that way. You know, I think everyone deserves, as you said, everyone should be getting financial advice. Interestingly, I met with Julie Bishop at uh, the last AFA conference. I had lunch with her and she... Um, was in the same boat, I wish I'd done this sooner. She got financial advice after she left Parliament. Oh, my goodness. Yes, and she because she thought she never had enough money or didn't have a big enough portfolio to get advice. Oh, she right. would have done, yeah, that's sort of what she said. The I was, mind boggles, doesn't it? <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, so, we, do, you know, everyone does have a bit of a misconception of, the financial advice process. Um, speaking of which, I know you've worked with planners for some time. What was your biggest surprise about working with advisors over the years? That's a really good question. Um, I think uh, my opinion of financial advice um, and advisors from the outside um, would have been quite similar to a lot of people's opinion. I mean, I was before entering financial services, I was a creative. Um, I was living in a house with eight people, writing poetry. Um, <laughs> I was definitely not um, in the inner circle of, um, of what they call FinServe. Um, and I just thought that finance people um, would be quite dry uh, and, you know, really numbers focused and not, a, um, I suppose, uh, m perhaps not understand my approach to life or, um, have a personality similar to my own. Uh, and that was the biggest misconception I could have had because meeting um, the advisors that I have over the years, I've just discovered how creative they all are, um, how full of life, personality, um, giving, empathetic, all the same. Um, you know, you, you get these... Uh, <laughs> you get these stereotypes of numbers people versus creatives and you really let them stick in your head. But, it, um, you know, in the end, it's just what you're talented at and advisors are talented at helping people with their finances, but they're just people like like the rest of us and there should not, not be any shame attached to going to a numbers person um, from a creative point of view. Uh, we all have um, affinities and we all have differences where we excel and I think that's what makes the wheels go round that we're all a different spoke um mm. so yeah so I think perhaps my 
the biggest miscon like you know mythbuster for me was just working out how um how creative and full of life the financial services industry is it's true i think quite a lot of us actually have come well in in my sort of circles that i i know of uh and you know too that there's quite a few of us that have come from creative backgrounds mm Mm. And we've got um, a singer in our midst today <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> yes, but I mean, um, we've got this bit. This, I think there's a few singers and there's a few performers from the, in the past that have gone in the finance world. I mean, there's quite a few accidental financial advisors. That's but it. I think at the end of the day, the process of financial advice, in my view, um, is that we problem solve we're trying we're, we coach we try and get people to where they want to go so we're creating a bit of a blueprint for them a map that they can follow but in doing that we've also got to look at how are we going to get them from here to here and then sometimes isn't as direct as get them invested in superannuation and get them invested into um, a portfolio but sometimes they actually are really behind the you know the eight ball and we've got to get them just to start you know, just to the start line before we even meet the halfway and the finishing line. And that's where you've got to go, okay, we've got to work on debt reduction strategies. We've got to work on, you know, cash flow modelling. And most of that is mindset, getting them, getting them going, this is what I want. Back to the very key thing you said, that why. Mm-hmm. Why would we be investing in an ETF? Why would I be going and seeking advice? Why do I want to have my finances all sorted out? Um, you know what is the, the motivated that's getting someone to get the pick up the phone or send that email to get to say I need some help when it comes to getting oh. my to, to my my finances. I need financial advice. Yeah. So why does this matter? You know, why does this matter to me? Is the is the most important question um, people can ask themselves when they're seeking answers? And I think it's a really great thing for advisors to think about too. Um, mm. So. Um, it's definitely the key um, thing I think about every t- every day in my job when I'm trying to communicate or um, uh, curate messaging um, is why does this matter to whoever's reading it and make sure that you get that point across. <laughs> That's a great, um, you know, rule of thumb to sort of when you're doing something. Um, actually, I'm going to go back to... As you speak, I keep thinking of things I want to ask you. So yeah, I'm going to go back because we are living in such a unique situation. Um, right now we're recording through um, COVID-19. We're all in isolation. Um, and my job right now is sort of often to ease anxiety. My clients just, uh, I'm checking in on clients on their cash flow. Um, I'm, you know, just making sure that they're not too anxious about any of their investments that have dropped in value. Um, and also ensuring that they've got the insurances in one place. So it's quite busy for me, but um, and I, I know that my clients are really appreciating that there is some, they've got that sounding board. Um, have, how is your experience now that you've got an advisor living through such quite scary times? Are you feeling more confident that you've, you know, you've, you've got someone you can actually talk to if things go, you know, pear-shaped? Definitely. I think, you know, um, the biggest role that advisor can play in this, and, and definitely I'm feeling that from mine, is um, alleviating financial anxiety. Um, whether your job is safe or it isn't, um, everyone's got questions about this period, whether it relates to them um, directly or to a loved one or to the economy or to the company they work for. Or the government. Um, I I don't know a single person that I've spoken to during this period that doesn't have financial questions, um, and this is a real opportunity for advisors, um, you know, to be that guide. And I I have felt that strongly from my advisor, and I'm incredibly grateful. Uh, it's just been the difference between um, being able to sleep at night and then to sit up worrying. Uh, and you know, uh, the great thing I'm I'm receiving, you know, almost daily content, um, answering questions, not just that I have that are just being asked in general. So even if it's not a question that I have, I can pass it on to someone else. And that's the beauty of um, a good financial advisor is just being that guide um, and that trusted source of information as well during times like this. Mm, Absolutely. 
I think this is, a, a, as you said, an opportunity for us to show our value as well. Um, now, you mentioned you writing. You obviously are writing a lot of content. Um, what Have you find, found any challenges with writing during these times? Um, that's a really good question too. Uh, definitely, um, you know, my, my years in, in copywriting have taught me um, that uh, what you say is less important than how you say it. <laughs> um, and look, not everyone will agree with me there, but um, I've found that you can have uh, the great intentions at heart, but if you lack tact in how you deliver a message, then it can come across um, with the wrong intended, uh, wrong intention. So with COVID especially and everything going on, um, my top bit of advice to advisors and the one I've been employing myself is just every word that you write that's going out, um, write it with empathy. Think, mm. remember that you aren't in the same situation as everyone else. And um, aside from a lot of brands coming out saying we're all in this together, we actually aren't everyone's in a different situation. Some people are safe, some people aren't. Um, some people are job safe, some people aren't. Some people are sick, some people aren't. Some people have elderly parents or relatives that aren't okay. You know, everyone's in a different situation. And just um, for me, it's just making sure that anything um, I'm writing or any content I'm delivering um, takes into account uh, that um, not everyone reading it has the same situation that I'm in. Um, yeah. and just remembering that privilege when you're writing. Yeah. It's interesting you said they said, you know, that all we're all in this together to a point what I'm, uh, someone recently said, perhaps she read it in, a, in an article, was we're all in the same storm but we're in different boats. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I've been having conversations even with my friends that are working from home with kids uh, versus um, those of us myself included, that have found working at home quite easy because I'm um, I'm childless and uh, I don't have to share my space with a lot of people. So, you know, even those little convenience, little points of convenience um, aren't equal, let alone the other things, um, you know, the financial stuff at stake, the health stuff at stake. Um, so, yeah, that's the biggest thing I've, um, I've been thinking about when delivering my content and also that... Um, whether, whether or not you do things with the best intentions, people are still going to be worried. Um, and, and you're, you're, you know, depending on your position um, when, you, when you're delivering content or, um, or talking or providing guidance, it's, it's your job to help alleviate that to some mm. extent, not to inflame it. <laughs> so you're writing content for advisors and the individuals who are invested with implementing and giving them updates uh, market commentary um, and, you know, performance reports and things like that? Is that um, what you're... Um, I'm not doing that alone, obviously, um, but our team, yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you would have had, a, you know, I, I've been watching the markets for um, you know, very carefully as part of my job, but uh, some of it I just wish I don't read. Um, so you've got to be very, very careful with how you word things when there has been some in incredible losses and negative returns, knowing that people's investments are in that. Um, do you find that hard? Um, I'm really grateful that our um, CIO, John Riley, is well-versed in, um, in investor communications and he does that grunt work. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, and, yes, he um, has the perfect balance, obviously, between um, having that emotional intelligence when writing and, and just delivering the facts as they are. So, um, you know, I might, I, um, I tip my hat to, um, we've got a great team of, a great communications team that help with all of that. Um, but yes, you're right. Like that stuff is, is um, tricky stuff. It's not stuff to be taken lightly. Um, and, you know, people on the other, um, on the receiving end of it, yeah, a lot of work goes into um, making sure that, um, we're communicating um, at the right frequency and ensuring that people are completely up to date with the portfolio activity during this time because we know that people just like to be told what's going on. 100%. My experience, though, is, um, you know, historically things improve anyway. So I'm always like, don't 
worry because this is just temporary and there's opportunities and we've already seen some amazing opportunities coming out of this. Um, but, yeah, it is it is very touch and go with some of some of the uh, experiences we're all facing at the moment, uh, especially in the investment side of town. But because um, you know, you're, you're in that the storm is like this, it's just constant and very volatile. But that's not to put people off from investing because, as I said, there are some amazing opportunities. And as things improve, especially if you're coming into the markets, you're going to be really in a great position. Yeah, I'm sure, I've um, I've seen a lot of um, content out there about people entering the market during times of volatility. Um, and though it's not, you know, I would never be the one to comment on what people should do and not do with their oh, money. No. <laughs> That's general advice, people. That was general advice. <laughs> yes, I know. I know my role, um, so I'll stay in my lane there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, look, if if there is a positive to market volatility it is that it actually encourages engagement from people that might otherwise not be engaged with financial markets. And I think any opportunity where we can increase the level of understanding on how this works is a positive one. Um, Mm. You don't have to vote with your money, um, but just the fact that, you know, I've got friends that have nothing to do with financial services but are asking questions um, about the markets and uh, maybe showing interest in wanting to invest and I think it's great that sometimes it is like a storm that causes people to look out the window, you know. Absolutely. Um, look, I started encouraging people, of, you know, when, when just before we, we went into sort of isolation lockdown, we didn't do the full lockdown like they did in New Zealand, but, you know, when things were, we knew there's going to be a day where we're told you can't go back to work kind of thing. And I was like, now's the time people... You've got to be saving as much as you can and pay attention to your finances. Um, and if you haven't, this is the time to have that conversation. And that's an interesting thing is that um, I'm now getting, we're, you know, how many, I don't even know how many weeks we've been home. I feel like it's been two months, but it could have been less. I just don't know. <laughs> but I know that. No, I, think we're in, I think we're going into week eight. Okay. Um, so we're, you know, two, two months later, I've, in the last two days, new inquiries coming in, um, both around, well, one around, look, I've got this money I'm needing to, I think I should now go into investing and they've never even looked at it, never considered it before. But because of this storm, it's like, uh, this is, you know, this is the time I really need to pay attention and I think I'm hearing all the noise or the languages, you know, there's opportunities. The other one was like, I don't understand what, what they're talking about with liquidity in my superannuation, I'm scared. Can you have a look? Uh, and out of that conversation, I'm going, oh, well, you've got a lot of fees you're paying. You're not getting any advice for this. Um, is it invested the way you'd be comfortable with? All those kind of things where you have that conversation. So um, this, is, this is a, you know, it, as they say, it's a perfect storm in some respects because it has had people be more connected to their finances than they ever have before. They've been complacent for a very long time. Um, but I think in, in another in all aspects of our life, so that whole wellness wheel is we're facing ourselves because we're stuck at home. We're thinking, we, we, you know, we've got more time. I don't really have that much time, but, you know, some of us have more time than others to really think about where their lives are going. So you're seeing people, you know, on Facebook going, I'm exercising, I'm eating well, I'm baking, I'm spending time with my children. The environment's singing again. There's animals walking down the street. Um, It's pretty crazy and it's beautiful. But it's also this is like where we go, they're they're the opportunities. It's not just in our money but it's in everything, you know. That's it. And I think, you know, um, if we see finances as something that isn't just a separate ball hanging on the outside but rather just like a piece of an essential puzzle um, in our lives you know then we'll see how much that actually um, directs our path and I think a lot of people have been given time to really think about what their path is uh, because they aren't the hamster on the wheel at the moment Um, they've had an opportunity to get off um, and um, perhaps it's given them time to realign 
their goals and their values um, with their future. And, you know, the thing about goals is <laughs> they often cost money. <laughs> so uh, being able to align your finances with what you actually hope to achieve in the future um, is really what I think you you would you would say any advisor can want for their clients. Um, it's it's about living their best life. Um, yeah, it's it's not about the money. Um, it's about living their best life, and and the money helps. <laughs> Investing is about is a vehicle to get you that best life. You know, people think, yeah. oh no, she's going to tell me that I can't spend my money. It's like, no, we want to know exactly what your best life looks like, so I can create a plan that can afford that for you. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's actually just about where you want to spend your money. That's it. And money buys you things of time. That's and it. you've got to be clear on what that is. Mm. As I think you sort of said, you know, that that goal of I want to be able to fly flat. That's it, 100%. I heard you say that once and that's become my goal ever since. <laughs> <laughs> and I think about you every time I think about it. <laughs> once once you do that, once you, once you take that um, left turn in the cabin, that's it. You don't want to go back. Exactly. And so, you know, for me, after hearing that that goal um, and then wanting it so much for myself, you really learn that, like, life is and financial advice, you know, is about trade-offs often. Um, what am I willing to trade off to make sure that I'm always turning the right direction in the cabin? Um, yeah. You know, it's not like you say, oh, this advisor is going to tell me I've got to save more. I'm not going to be able to spend my money. Or it, it's not about that. It's actually them taking a look at what you want to do in life um, and how you want to be rewarded for your hard work because that's, um, you know, that that's part of it as well, feeling a sense of satisfaction um, and making sure they can get you there. Absolutely. Well, I, um, in, in, using this time as a perfect example, some clients of mine who aren't spending as much money um, because they're not going out, so there's no more dinners, there's no catching up with friends for drinks, um, no more gym, gym memberships, no more um, you know, the kids' activities that they were spending all this money on, even shopping, no more buying. Well, some people are still buying things online and just getting a bit silly with that because they're just filling a void of time. But, you know, it, uh, with the particular clients that I'm working with, you know, I'm giving that guidance of saying, look at your, your expenditure. And um, your fixed expenses, uh, some of them being reduced or negotiated or mortgage, mortgage being put on hold. This is the opportunity now to save absolutely everything you can because you did, we didn't see this storm coming and the rainy day has rained and rained and rained. You know, and a lot of us never save for that rainy day. So we've got to stop being so complacent, now work out that we don't want to be in this position again so we can turn this around. It's like, you know, we're all in different boats. How's your sale going? Is it is it in the right? Is it taking in the right direction? Um, and I started doing that myself. Is back to the conversation of the ETFs. It's just like I've gone. They are really inexpensive to start. So you know you don't have to have tens of thousands of dollars to start investing. So I've started this thing. My husband loves racehorses, as you can see in the background. So um, on Saturdays we do you know we put money aside to punt with, and I'm not. I'm sorry, I'm not hunting at all so all everything I'm doing now savings is going into investments so I'm building my portfolio so each week I'm in re, you know investing more um, because I started telling a client to do that and I thought oh, hang on a minute I've been doing that myself the money where your mouth is and that's the, like that's such an awesome story and one that I wish was told more especially amongst um amongst women uh because uh, we get this idea from pop culture, uh, I think. Like, and I, I say it comes from pop culture. I'm sure it comes from experiences people have had in real life with investment, you know, people within investment banking or something as well. But pop culture does nothing to refute um, the stereotypes of you have to be, a, you know, have to have a lot of money to invest. Um, and this happens, you know, on a loud Wall Street floor where people are yelling and shouting and, um, and if you're not wealthy, then don't even think about it. If you don't understand it, you're going to lose money. And, it, you know, um, but technology and um, and just the way that we can invest now is so different that and ETFs are a great example. But, you know, there's micro investing apps. There's there's so yeah, many. Acorn. Exactly. Acorns, longevity. If people haven't invested at all and they want to 
um, dip their toes in and just see how it works, um, you can invest $20. You can invest 10 You can yeah. invest your spare change. Yeah, uh, you, you can round up. That. That's it. Um, so, And once you get comfortable doing that, that's when you can work with an advisor and say, right, well, this is how much money I want to put away um, each week for investing. Um, but it's a really good way of just dipping your toes in the water to see how it works um, with a discretional amount, like, you know, like um, money that don't care if you flush it down the toilet, basically. Like if you acorns, they round up your shopping, you know. Like You, so. you can round up from one bank. You can choose a bank account. I'm, I've got clients doing this because, you know, as I said, there's clients that actually started behind um, and needed that because I do the money coaching as well. So as more the um, management of their cash flow and the emotions that was stopping them, you know, their money blocks that we were working on. Um, so I hadn't got them to that point where, um, you know, there's a savings the savings cushion and they're they're contributing to their super and they've got their, you know, a plan happening. We had to sort of start back here. And when I looked at uh, this particular client, I looked at a whole bank, I look at their 90 days of spending. And that's mandatory for every single client I take on. I do do that because it gives me really insight about their lifestyle. I can find out about a person very easily. And she had this um, you know, sort of subscription that kept going to this lotto um, and it just kept adding up and they was doing it every few days and I think she was completely unaware. But it worked out to be almost about $80 a week and, you know, when we worked out that out and then this is coming out of a credit card, you know, um, and she said, oh, I, I just joined up thinking it was $20 a week but it just, it was like her, you know, Oz Lotto, Powerball, it was all these things. And I said, to be honest with you, the st- statistically, it's great to play the lotto. You know, I do, 20 bucks here and there. But if you're going to be spending that kind of money, I would be splitting it up and maybe suggest, you know, just um, putting, doing your roundup. Let's start with your rounding up. We did the ACONS thing, round up, but also contribute that difference uh, as a transfer across of about 50 bucks also to that investment. And next thing, next thing, it just really adds up because you don't see it. It's not like, you know, you're opening up your banking app it's not and you can see it's savings. Exactly. <laughs> you can't just go, I'm getting it out. You don't see it. You don't see it there. You go and tap and go for a coffee and next thing it's um, yeah, it's $5 instead of $4.50. That's it. Um, but, and right now you're not, doing the, you're not doing the tap and goes as much either because we're not out buying our lunches. Exactly. Well, this is it. So, you know, there's so many new ways um, for people to start accessing easier ways to invest and they don't all involve uh, what you've seen in the 80s Wall Street movies. So, you know, um, especially for women, um, you know, Acorns is a great one. Like you said, it rounds up your spare change. Longevity is another app that um, does the same thing but for your superannuation, which I think is a really important one for women as well. Um, yes. So, you know, um, discretionary amounts. I mean, we've only just got to look at what's going on now with people taking um, this 10K out um, of their super and, uh, you know, my, I'm not here to argue whether they should or they shouldn't because everyone's in a different financial situation but they have done the calculations to show that that makes $60,000 difference in retirement approximately. Depending um, on your age, it can be even, it could be double if they're younger. Yeah, that's it. So, um, so every, in other words, every dollar counts. Um, and it, you might not think rounding up your coffee to something and putting it in your super will make a difference, but that actually might make a huge amount of difference in your retirement, um, which is pretty damn cool, I think. Mm. Yeah. Well, the purpose of investing is um, that you're, you know, you're aiming for above inflation plus another return and, and even um, income out of that as well. So it compounds and if it compounds, it starts small, but and that's why I like the, the term acorns because I, I think of it, you know, as a planting a seed and it's going to turn into something amazing. And that's basically what you do when you invest. So I said, I'm, I'm doing little amounts, I'm not doing massive amounts. Mm. Saving and then I've got, you know, $5,000 sort of when I've got the money goes in so I save that and then I go invest you know and I've got it in another account that's not in my everyday banking account that I cannot see yeah and that's and that's the like all of those little tricks are actually um the kind of um 
financial advice and the kind of content I think um, this generation uh, needs to hear. Um, they're not locked out of financial advice. It's not just for pre-retirees and insurance. Um, this is the kind of value you receive from a financial advisor. It's a holistic view um, of basically how you approach your finances every day. Mm. I'm really glad I got to speak to you about this because, I mean, we, we've kind of gone off topic in some ways, but we're still <laughs> on topic. Because um, uh, this is actually our second recording because the first one somehow Zoom lost it. Yeah, apologies uh, in advance if this is not as great as, as my first take. <laughs> well, unfortunately, no one heard the first take, which is really, you know, depressing <laughs> because it was really good. But this is still really good. It's just actually we've we've explored even more of a different topic. So yeah. um, I feel like I've gotten to know you even more about this, uh, more around financial advice. And um, I didn't, like like last time, it wasn't about plugging advice so much, but just getting people to see the, the value of investing and that there are, you know, there are women in your corner like us and like yourself that, actually can communicate and help in, in, you know, give you confidence in getting on track to your financial goals. Um, and, you know, I've admired the way you've, you know, your career and the way you write. You write, you've done some stuff for us with AFA as well. So Thank I thought you. you were a fantastic person to, you know, have this conversation with. Um, and I also would, you know, encourage people to check out Implemented Portfolios um, because I think they're a great um, business. Obviously, uh, I, I I use manage a different type of investment strategy for my clients, but I am looking at um, something like implemented. But I also know Kirk, you know who who's um, Floyd you. He's a fantastic guy, and my stepdaughter sort of um, also is part of your team in some respects. So yeah, she's um, amazing. <laughs> I'm biased. I think she's amazing. But, oh no, um, she's great. She's my right hand gal. Oh, good. <laughs> we miss her because she hasn't been home for... Uh, yeah, I probably talk to her more than you do now. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Well, um, it's it's more texting these days. We do we do FaceTime a couple of times a week and she gets inundated with photos of her baby sister. Of course. Uh, constantly of course. sending her so. Um, but, yeah, I thought you would be the perfect person and I think I was right when I, when I thought of you and I really appreciate your time um, today and hopefully maybe we can catch up again on... Um, in this podcast in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on um, and um, I hope people get value out of hearing our conversation. Yes, so do I. I think they would. Um, I hope they do too. Now, how will people find you and implement portfolios? Yeah, look, I mean, I would say um, if, if, you're, um, if you've got an advisor already, then um, it, you can ask your advisor about us. Um, otherwise, you can go to implementerportfolios.com.au uh, and find out more information. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I you. hope to have you back soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.